Welcome to Christmas at New Walk. Having a great morning already. Glad you're here to be a part of it. We have been in a series already for the last couple of weeks here at our church. It's called God With Us. Maybe some of you have been here. Others of you, you're visiting for the first time. Great. Uh, I'll catch you up real quick uh, because here's what I want to do. I want to read a scripture to you that we have been reading uh, every week of this series. So I'll read it to you now. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 1 in verse 23. Very, very famous scripture about the birth of Jesus. It says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, this is important, which means God with who? With us. So you probably have figured out, you know, that that's plural. And so that means that you, and you're, you're probably sharp enough to understand that what that means is that God came to be for all. He came to humanity, came to earth for all of us. Today, what I want to do, though, is personalize this and help you understand the importance of him arriving here on earth for you. He did arrive. Here's what happened. Emmanuel, God with us, God took on flesh. He stepped out of the heavenly realms where it's pretty sweet and came down here to this messy place called earth, took on flesh. And in that, lived a life so that you and I could understand uh, not only who God is through the life of Jesus Christ, but also uh, receive the forgiveness of our sins so that we might call God, might call Jesus Lord of our life. Jesus came for that reason people say, who is God? Who, who? People say, who is God? What, what is he like? The great news about Christmas is you don't have to guess. God revealed himself to humanity through the son, Jesus Christ. You probably hear people say, they'll ask a question, what do you think God? What do you think God is like? You don't, you don't have to, he's not some mystical thing in the sky, in the clouds, like unicorn sort of situation. Who is he? You know. Next time you hear some know-it-all fuzzy-faced professor who's trying to guess who God is, you don't need to hear that. It's written in God's word, revealed through Jesus' life. God shows himself to us, but we dial it down now to the individual. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, another famous scripture about the birth of Jesus. It says this, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to who? To you. Now, God with us, but now God with me personally. He is Messiah. He is the Lord. He becomes Lord to those who make this personal for their own life. But you have to choose. See, that's the thing. God comes to reveal himself to humanity, not to force himself on us. God didn't do that. That wouldn't be love. He's revealing love. When God came down to humanity, he reveals love. He reveals design for your life, for humanity. He reveals himself to humanity, but he's not going to force himself on you. In the end, love is, is a choice. It's a choosing, and with God, you must choose. And here's what hurts my heart. So it crushes me as a pastor. This is the tr truth. <laughs> I know that people in our community, in fact, people right here in this audience and people watching online right now, Though Jesus came for you personally, you, you don't have him. Like, you, you'll do the presents. <laughs> You're about to sing all the songs about Jesus being Lord. You'll sit around the tree and celebrate the birth of Jesus, but you do not know him. 
That hurts me. Like we're in a culture today where the gap is growing between the haves with God and the have-nots. It's evident. You can see it more and more than ever before. You want to reveal the truth about God? He's more evident today than ever before between those who have him and those who live a life without him. And it hurts my heart to know that there are people right here. You're kind of in the have-not category. Of course, I want that to be different. And before we're done here today, I'm going to give you a chance for that to be a very different scenario in your life. How do you know if you're one of the haves or the have-nots? Well, of course, if you have, then you just know that you know that you know. Haves and haves. Do we see somebody's one of the haves or the have-nots by the way that they dress? Does that mean, is that the signifier The people who dress really good, they're the ones that have the Lord versus the ones that don't? Is it a money thing? Is it the people with money? Are they the ones who, you know, have all the things of God versus those who don't have money? You'd hear me say that right now. And those of you, you laugh because, you know, come on. It ain't about superficial things. Right? It's not about who puts up the most lights at Christmas. Some of y'all do. Like, we got some Clark Griswolds right here in this room. You will all, all out, you are putting on a show, and that's awesome. Others of you, it's kind of moderate. There's some of you, you can't tell if it's December or March in your yard because it's exactly the same the whole time. You do nothing. And that's okay. Cause we're not, you know, it's like the lights are not a sign of who has God and who doesn't. You'd laugh at that if we were to suggest that. I get it. And what is I, I was in I was in Target the other day. I'm trying to get to the register. It's been a couple months now. I was at the register, and this lady gets in front of me, and she got two full shopping carts of groceries. She gets. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, so stacked up. She's playing Jenga with the groceries. I don't know if you've seen. And. I said, man, this is going to take forever, so I'm about to change lines anyway. She pulls out a $100 bill to pay for all of it. I'm going, <laughs> this is not, like, I don't know what she's thinking about. There, with inflation, there's three items in her cart that cost $100 right now, so I don't know how she's going to do this. Then she pulls out a stack of coupons. Have you met these people? Holy smokes. She gets $1.50 back. $98.50, she walked out of there with two carts of groceries. I said, in broad daylight, this lady robbed Target right in front of everybody. And I don't even know how. I don't know how she did it. Look, is she, is she the one? Is she, is she one of the haves versus the have-nots? Well, no. It's not about that. It's not about the show. It's not about attending church. It's not about all the other things. There's something more revealing, I hope, that I can share that with you here a little bit in our time together because I would submit to you this. It will be clear, it will be very revealing to you that some of you are in that have-not category and I, I would say this, you're walking in darkness. Oh, you, you don't get it, like you don't know it. Like if I sit here right now and say, because you don't follow the Lord, you're walking in darkness, somebody's gonna be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, you can walk in darkness for such a long time, you don't even realize it's happening. You just get used to it. God didn't create you to live a life walking in darkness, wandering around and wondering what the story of your life is or should be. He's made it clear for humanity. No one would want to try to operate in the dark. Not long ago, I woke up sick about 3 in the morning, coughing, sneezing, coughing, sneezing. I go out to the kitchen trying to find a medicine cabinet where I can find, you know, something to kind of fix the deal. I don't turn on the lights. I just do it dark, you know, because I know where the medicine cabinet is. And so I go in there and I find one of those 
blister packs. I'm looking for not the two, but the one where it's like 12 or 24 hours so I could take that, go, to, go back to sleep, get some rest. So I, I pop one of those out, take it, drink the water, and done. About three hours later, I wake up, my stomach is churning. <laughs> what is going on? So it's a little daylight out now, so I go out into the kitchen. I realize, because I left my mess all there, that I have taken a laxative <laughs> and not a 24-hour or whatever. Now I'm getting the bonus plan because I'm coughing and sneezing. Okay, there's a party happening now, you know what I mean? The coughing and sneezing. That's in the dark. Now we joke about that, but my goodness, no one would want to do life that way. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and yet, in this room right now, that is the story for many of you. And look, I'm glad you're here. New Walk Church is a place for situations like that. First of all, I'll say this, we're surrounded in this room with the haves and the have-nots, and it's just, it's very honest, and you're in a great place, you're in a no-condemnation house. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're hearing about the truth about Jesus Christ, and we have people who come from all different walks of life. You know, we got people who dress up and look really good, and they look really great. We got some others got just enough clothes on to hide the ankle bracelet that they got when they wearing and they came in here. We got people who got a lot of resources, and that's wonderful. We got some when the offering bucket passes, they're taking all I got is a gold tooth at this point. You know, put that in. And I mean, we got people from all different backgrounds, and I love that about our church. I really do. You're in the right place to hear about the truth for your life. I want to share with you, really, in our time together, I want to give you five clear evidences for those who are the have-nots and tell you how we can flip the script. First thing I put, though, in your notes is just a question right there at the top. It says, God with us, God with me, God with you. I put a little line there at the very top little line for you to write. When was the moment for you, those of you who are the haves? Those of you who figured God with me in that moment, saying that Jesus is Lord, when, when was it? Would you just take time to write it there? When, when, when was it? For some of you, you remember the day. You remember the date because, you know, a lot of people do because it's a second birth. It's like you had your, your physical birth, but then you have a spiritual birth. And so some of you remember it like it's your birthday and you've got that second kind of birth date. Uh, others of you, you're like, well, I know it was a season or I know it was a month in the year. And so maybe you write that down as well. You were at summer camp, you know, and, and you remember wherever, you know when it happened. Now, I love it because some of you are writing. Others of you are not able to write anything there because you do not recall a time. Because it doesn't happen by osmosis. You're not born into this. You choose love. I said that already. You're not born into it. You know, just because you're born into America, born into some Christian faith. You, everybody chooses. You make that decision on your own. When did you decide? I would submit to you, if you cannot write something there on that line, then you do not have it. I, I just, I'll throw that out there. You can argue with me if you want. But let's just deal with the facts and so what I thought I would do is put in your notes kind of the signs of those who are the have-nots. And I'm going to get this from, uh, it, it, and as we deal with this question, without him, what does your life look like? I'm going I'm to get this from uh, some very rich text from the wisest man they say ever lived. His name was King Solomon. And he wrote some very dead-level, honest stuff. That relates to 2022. You hear people say, I wish the Bible could, you know, it's so old. I just don't understand it. You're going to understand this. 
It's 2022 right here in this text, all right? Here's what he starts off. He says this. Solomon says, Ecclesiastes 7.24, how can anyone discover what life means? Well, there's people today. There's people right here. You're like, yeah, I don't know the meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? Why are we even here? Like, why do we draw air in our lungs? It seems sometimes pointless, meaningless, and that's one of the things that we're going to seek Solomon says that some of you are going to be able to check a couple of these and go, yeah, that's me. There are going to be some of you, you're going to hit on all five. And it's not bingo. It's an unfortunate situation, but you can change this. All right, I put, I put in your notes, here's what, here's what Solomon says. You know what, if, you, if, you, if you're really living this sort of pointless, meaningless life, here's what you, you kind of think. You think life seems useless to you. He starts it out in... Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 2. He says, life is useless. It's all useless. You spend your life working, but what do you have to show for it? The world just seems, it stays the same. It, what Solomon is saying here is like, when, when you don't understand the truth about life, you feel like it's useless. Like, here's what we do. We go to work and then we go home. Is that really what, is that what life is all about? Is that it? Like, is that, because if that's all there is to life, forget that. Let's just all sleep in. Some of you do really well. You sleep in a lot. But it's like, why, why are we even here? That's what it, he's kind of asking that question. Useless, another word in, in English language we would use for where it says useless there is empty. Life feels empty. Or fluff, it's fluff. It's really shiny, kind of nice on the outside, but there's nothing to it. That's the first thing he says. The second thing is he says life seems tiresome. Some of you, this is your story in verse 5. It says this, the sun rises and goes down. The wind blows round and round and back again. Every river flows into the sea. Then the water returns back to where the river began. It starts all over again. Everything is weariness. Basically, he's saying it feels like life in life. You know what we're doing? We're just spinning our wheels. We're in a rat race. And we just go round and round and round again. He, he talks about it in the cycles of weather. He says, you know what happens? Like the water goes out the stream in the ocean and evaporates, comes back again, rains, comes. It's just like it's, everything just keeps repeating itself over and over again. Some of you are living in some kind of way where you feel like life is just this big circle. You know what? It's December. Put the Christmas lights up. That's what we do. It's December. It's the end of December. Take the lights down. Some of you, some of you like late January before you get to them. But anyways, you, okay, it's December again. Put them back up. It's just, it's just the cycle of life. He says, man, I don't know. It feels a little tiresome. And then it says this, I put in your notes. Life seems unfulfilling. Unfulfilling, verse 8. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. History merely repeats itself. Nothing is truly new. He's saying there's no satisfaction anywhere. Here's what he said. Some of you are living this life right now. No matter whatever I see, it still don't make me happy. No matter what I hear about life, it doesn't make me content. I feel like something is still missing along the way. This restlessness. Some of you, it's like, what's next? How can we get out of church real quick? Let's go. Let's get out of here. This is constant. What's next? Let's find out what's next. The average person in this room, you will change the station, change the platform, change the channel, change the movie over 350,000 times in your life. What's next? With our content on our phone and swipe, swipe, swipe to the next, swipe. 
What's the next thing? You'll, you'll swipe one, two million times in your life. What's next? There's people that are caught up in this thing where they've seen so much. That's what he's saying. You've seen so much. You've heard so much that you're bored with life. It's useless. It's tiresome. It seems so unfulfilling. And then he says that life seems insignificant. In chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, verse 11, he says, No one remembered what happened in the past, and no one in the days to come will remember what happens between now and then. He said, life seems insignificant. I don't, I don't know why we exist, so I'm trying to understand it. I can't seem to figure it out. And he feels like everything just seems obscure. It's the surety of obscurity is what it is. Feels like everything's fleeting. My name's in the lights today, but not tomorrow. One minute you're a hero, the next minute you're a zero. One minute you're a stud, the next minute you're a dud. That feels like that's what life is at times. You know you're on top for a little bit, now, you, now you're not. You went to school, and at your high school, you were an athlete. You broke some kind of track record or whatever at school. They put your name up on the board and said, hey, you broke the record, and it was there. Your name was there. The next year, somebody else came along, broke a record, took your name down. They don't even remember you. You had a lot of money. Sponsored a building on a campus or somewhere. They put your name on the building. It was there. It was in lights. A little later, somebody with more money came along. They took your name down, put somebody else's name there. It's, he, that's what he's saying. He's saying life feels so insignificant. And then here's the last one. Some of you, this, this is going to be you in your heart. You're going to know this uncontrollable. Another word I might put there is stressful. Anxiety. Exhaustion. Verse 15. You can't straighten out what is crooked. You can't count things that aren't there. You're, you're searching for control and it feels like everything is out of control. No, I, I'm trying to control things that aren't there and things that are there, things that are there that aren't there, trying to control outcomes, situations, trying to control people, trying to control relationships. You ever try to control somebody whose life is messed up or try to help them, try to fix the life that they have, but they don't even want it as much as you do? How tiring. Oh, my goodness. You're trying to straighten out that which is crooked. It is exhausting. Anxiety, stress, consuming humanity today. Everything feels out of control. And this is where some of you in this room are right now. I want to give you the remedy, and I hope that you'll take this seriously. From the rest of our time together, you'll pay close attention because we're going to flip the script now. I'm going to give you the remedy. But you, you don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss the truth about Christmas, the truth about Jesus. This is the most, this and Easter, the two most celebrated holidays on the planet, and they all center around Jesus as Lord. Many of you in this room will celebrate both, and yet you do not really understand the fullness of why it is celebrated. I want to change that today. You, you, this moment in history that Jesus changes everything, you write the year 2022 on your check on a document, you're signifying, you're making recognition, whether you like it or not, that this is about Jesus because he changed the calendar, he changed the years, everything changed. And so maybe you'll actually understand the significance of it here. I, I'll say this before I move on. 
you doubt the existence of Jesus, I wanna be clear about this. There is not one serious historian, there's not one serious historian on the planet any longer who doubts the existence of Jesus, not one. There's not one that's serious-minded. It's a known historical situation here, so you better pay attention. All right, so now, here we go. I wanna give you uh, this in your notes. To encounter God with us and really make it personal, God with me. Here's the first thing you gotta do. Number one in your notes, stop running. You gotta decide to stop running. And um, look, if you live in America and you're not a believer in Christ, like you come to church, I'm not talking about that. You're, belie- you're not a believer in Christ. You haven't made that, had that moment, that decision. The only alternative is to be a runner. Because you've heard about, we live in America, my goodness. I mean, Jesus is, it's there, it's in front of us. Church is everywhere. So you've been to church, you've heard about Jesus, you've just chosen to run from him. It's exhausting to run from God. I wanna free you of that exhaustion. It's costly to run from God. There's a cost. There's a guy in the Bible who was a runner, his name was Jonah. God had a plan for Jonah. Jonah said, I'm not interested, I'm gonna run from you. He gets on a boat, tries to travel far away from the place where God wanted him to be. You know you have a spiritual adversary in your life. We have God who's calling us to him. It's a choice. And then we have a spiritual adversary who wants to take us down a very different road. And he will freely, listen, you have a spiritual adversary who will at any time love to give you a boat, a highway, a car, a train to get you away from God. And some of you have been on that road. There's a cost to taking a boat away from God. That's what Jonah did. I wrote this down in my notes. I hope you'll hear me. The most costly ticket you will ever purchase in your life is the ticket that you purchase to take you away from God. It's costly. You'll see it now, or maybe you'll see it later, but it is costly. That road away from God will 100 times out of 100 lead you to emptiness. So I'm just offering you in just a moment, dozens and dozens, maybe a hundred. We, we've had I know, something like uh, uh, several hundred people already in our services make this decision. And in this room, it's about to happen. It's going to happen by, in a large quantity. It's, it's not a matter of if it's going to be a large amount. It's just going to be a question if you're going to be a part of it. This opportunity to turn away from, from running in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count as slowness. But he's patient towards, he's being patient towards who? Towards you. Not wishing that anyone should perish, but that you should reach repentance. Here's what he, in essence, let me just break this down for you. He's saying he's been patient with you and he's been waiting for you to stop running. You thought you came here for some kind of other reason. I don't know what it is, but he brought you very clearly to be here because he's been patient with you and he's hoping to catch your attention that you will stop running. And it says, look, it's like he's not wanting anyone to perish. What that references is this. There are everybody in this room created by God and you were created to live somewhere forever and ever. Every person in this room was created to live forever. I hope you know that. The question is where? in eternity with God or separated from him. It's one or the other. Those who choose to stop running and turn to him, those are the ones he's waiting on. It says, should reach repentance. That means to turn away from the road leading you away from God and turn 
towards him. Pastor Gary, okay, 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 I get it, I get it. I check the boxes like it's me. How do I do it? Very simple. How do you begin a relationship with anybody on earth? You talk to them. Don't text them, good grief. You talk to them. You have a conversation. And in just a little bit, I'm going to give you an opportunity. to Just just right from where you're at, at your seat, give you an opportunity to start that conversation. How do you you have a relationship with somebody? That's what God wants. wants He's not looking for religion. He's looking for a relationship. What is a relationship? I start talking and I listen. I talk, I listen. I share my heart and he shares in return. That's, That's relationship. And you can begin that. That's exactly what I did. Many, many years ago, I was sitting in church just like you, and I just said, I'm going to start having a conversation with God. Nothing fancy. I'll help you with that in just a moment. I was uh, reading uh, about a book that's called Dying at the Top, and it interviewed people who were in their last days of their life, and they asked them some questions, and somebody said this in the interview. Now that the struggle is over, I can survey the field and measure the loss. I became rich and famous beautiful wife and children, but I left God out of my life, and now I have very little left. I don't have long to live. My God, I wish I had taken a different road. You could take a different road today. You don't have to live a life. People say, I want, okay, it's just about eternal life. It's, that's a big deal, but it's more than that. It's about the life you're living right now. Here's the next thing in your notes. Embrace purpose. You have purpose, you have design, there's a reason why you live and God intended for you to discover those things in your life and as you begin that journey with him, you can start to embrace a new identity and understanding who you really were meant to be. You see, we live in a world where I mentioned our spiritual adversary, when things go poorly and we start making poor decisions and other people do things to us, a stealing of your life begins, your identity who you are and who you were meant to be. Here's what it says. This is what Jesus says about your adversary. He's clear about it. He says in John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, to rob you of what God had intended for you. And some of you are in that place right now. You had something happen to you in your life. You didn't even ask for it. Maybe somebody did something to you physically, sexually, emotionally, verbally in your life. It wore you down. A new identity took hold and it wasn't a healthy one. You started believing lies from our thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You embraced a new identity about yourself and it was unhealthy. You had dreams for your life and plans and designs and how you thought life would go and you can't even see it anymore. It's so far off the bat, it's gone. Because you think of what people have done to you. I wanna say it's not gone, it's still there. And what God wants to do is come into your life and unlock that which is still there. It's covered right now. It feels that way. You didn't even, maybe some of it is the decisions that you made as well. Maybe it's your choices too. God wants to unpack the truth, unlock the truth about what's really there. Luke 10, John 10, 10, here's what it goes on to say. Jesus said, thief comes, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You say, Pastor Gary, I feel like I've reached my limits in life. I've gone as far as I can go. I'm not talented. You know, it's kind of a could have been, should have been life. 
I had these dreams for my life. I'm a lot older now, and I don't think it's ever going to happen for me. Listen, you have gifts, you have talents, you have purpose, you have potential. You have something waiting to be released in your life. That skill, that wisdom, that creativity that was once there, it is still there. And God wants to unlock that in your life. And I have seen this happen at all ages over and over again firsthand right here at this church. See, the key and the end of this thing with God, it's not what's in you because God made you. We know what goodness is there. The key is unlocking that which is there. That's the key, right? Like the continent of Africa. I was reading about this the other day. The continent of Africa, we know it, is really probably the poorest continent on the planet. And we could, argue, we could talk about why that happened, but this is the reality. It's the poorest on the planet. Did you know it has some of the wealthiest resources on the planet? Gold, diamond, oil. See, the problem with Africa is not what it has. It's how it's been tapped into properly. How it's been utilized, how those utilized, utilization, what the utilization is of those resources. And the same thing is true for you. It's already there. It's just the enemy's been lying to you for so long, you just kind of believe it's gone. God clears that stuff out and begins to reveal to you the truth about your life. Don't you go around wishing you had somebody else's game. Don't go around wishing you had somebody else's gift, somebody else's life. If I had this, if I had what they had. God made you to be you. He designed you uniquely. I said a couple of weeks ago, something we say here at our church all the time. That your parents say, well, we, we, that person, my, our kid was an accident. Your parents said that? God don't make no accidents. When he gets involved, he starts designing with purpose. He has unique plans for your life. Don't you believe the lie of the adversary? He's given you exactly what you need. You are smart enough, tall enough, attractive enough talented enough. You are a son of the king. You are meant to be a daughter of the king. You are fearfully and wonderfully made when you discover God. All of that stuff gets, starts, gets unpacked in your life. I hope that today you'll stop running and encounter purpose. Here's the next thing. Embrace joy. You gotta decide you want to embrace the joy that God has offered to humanity. Joy. Some of you are like, well, I'm not a believer and I'm kind of happy sometimes. <laughs> Come back to that in a moment. Because I'm not talking about happiness. This thing, you don't, some of you are like, what do you mean, joy? What are you talking about, joy? Well, you don't understand because you don't know. I get it. But uh, God comes to offer joy for humanity. And the way he offers it and the joy I'm talking about is it's not fleeting. All right? So you have highs and lows in life. We all agree. I do. You do. But some of us have a baseline joy to keep us moving. Others don't. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, uh, verse 10, uh, in the birth of Jesus about this joy that I'm talking about. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great what? Joy for all people. Again, I'm not talking about occasional moments of happiness. And you can find that. And if you're seeking a life living for the wrong reasons and the wrong purposes, you can find little moments of happiness. Not joy, happiness. I'm talking about those of you who chase after the next thing to try to make yourself happy. That's what, that's what the world does. That's what the non-believer does. I, I'm gonna tell you this, and I, I believe this, and this is gonna be offensive to some of you, potentially. 
some of the least joyful and most unhappy people I've ever met in my life are non-believers. It stinks because it doesn't have to be that way. Again, find a moment of happiness. Find a moment of happiness, not joy, but happiness, but then it, it, it's gone. You know, so, so it's sort of like, okay, the next car will be the answer, the next job, the next wife, the next drink, the next house, the next high, that'll do it. The next surgery, the next boy. But here's what I know about you, if that's your story. In the quiet moments of life, when the nightlife ends, when the marriage is over, when the party is over, when the hangover comes, when death strikes close, when uncertainty about your future starts to set in, when the business starts to fail, when the bills come due, when you wake up next to the next guy, the next morning to the next guy, and still don't have what it is you're looking for, you begin to realize you are empty, something's missing. And I'll tell you, after all those events, what you end up doing, if you're really honest about it, is you wake up lower than when you started. But joy is different. Now look, I want to be clear about this. As a person who would say that I have joy, I still struggle in life. I have bad days, but I have joy. I have times where I struggle financially, but I have joy. I have times in my life where my marriage does not click on all cylinders, but I have joy. I have times in my life where I have made mistakes and mistakes in my walk with God, but I have joy. That's what I'm talking about here. You can encounter that, begin that journey today again with a conversation with God. Here's the last thing I want to give you and then we'll wrap up. Receive him as Lord and join his family. Kind of really what we're deciding to do ultimately here today is to receive him as Lord. Receive him, receive him. What are we talking about? We're talking about receiving this gift, this little baby in a manger that grew up and went to the cross, receiving him as the gift that he is. The gift for humanity. Why did humanity need a gift? Because we had sinned. We had fallen short. We had, we had chosen to run from God. And the Bible says that's sin. And so we need forgiveness of sin. God said, once and for all, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to give a pure blood sacrifice of my son Jesus Christ on the cross. And that for all who receive that sacrifice, make that decision, that choice, their sin is forgiven. They begin a relationship with me because forgiven people are connected to God. So for all who receive, it, said, it says this in multiple places, but it talks about this in John 1.12. It says, to all who, here it is, to all who do what? Receive him. For those who do that, Christ gives them the right to become the children, to be called the children of God. I hear people say, I'm a, I'm, I'm part of the, I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm a part of the family of God. It's a sweet thing to say. Well, let me be brutally honest with you. You're not a part of the family of God until you become somebody who accepts the gift of Jesus Christ. It's clear over and over in the Bible. That's how you be a part of the family of God. You think you can be a part of God's family by rejecting the gift of his son? Are you kidding? By running from him? So yeah, of course, I think some of you understand that clearly. But it's personal and it's between you and him. I can't do it for you. I wish, oh my gosh, I wish I could do this for you. It'd be, I, I would make, I feel like it'd be easier for me to deal with if I could just do this for you, but I can't. That's why you gotta have a personal conversation with God. Not long ago, I was in Dunkin' Donuts. And I was in line, I was getting a coffee, but the lady in front of me, she went to Newark, she had gotten herself a bag full of donuts. And she had several of them in there, and 
I don't know, for whatever reason, she felt like she needed to, to, to tell me how agonizing she's feeling about those, the sugar in the donuts. Pastor Gary, I know I shouldn't eat these. I know, but they got, and I know they got a lot of sugar, and I know they got, and I know, it's like she's confessing, like, over these donuts, and I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, don't worry about it, man. Just like, just trying to get my coffee here, you know, and so then she says, would you hold the bag for me, a bag of donuts? I'm like, well, okay, so I hold the bag, and I'm just holding them like this here for a second, and then she says, okay, I'll take it back. She takes the bag back. I'm like, why? Why do you want me to hold, why did you just have me hold the donuts? She starts laughing. She says, I just kind of thought because you're a pastor, if you held on to the donuts for a little bit, it would wash away the calories and all the sugar. It'd be a little easier for, for you to eat. I laughed about that. I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. I'm, I didn't think she agonized too much because I watched her take those donuts. She went over to the table. She started mounding down on those bad boys like cookie monster. She went, oh, God, this thing. Anyhow, I wish I could do something like that. You know something though? I can't take those calories away and I can't take your sin away. But God can. And he offered that up to humanity through the gift of Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have that opportunity to have that conversation. It's going to happen in a big way across this auditorium. I'm going to have you stand to your feet and then keep this place calm. If you don't mind, stand to your feet, keep this place calm and let's do some business together. Now, here's what I'm gonna have you do to help me with this. At the end of the rows on your left, to be my right from where I'm standing, but your left, there's a little bucket of glow sticks. I'm gonna ask you to get some of those, take one down, pass it around. All right, be a good citizen, please. Make sure everybody in your row has one of those, please. Now, don't crack them, please. Don't crack them, don't crack them. Just hold them, just hold them in your hand, please. Just hold them in your hand, and then let's get this place calm. Let's get, get them in everybody's hands, and then let's get this place calm. I'm going to give you some instructions here in just a moment. All right. Here we go. With that in your hand, I want you to look at the scripture we're going to put up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. It says, as has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't run from him. Don't rebel. Don't turn away. I'll say it again. Today, if you've heard his voice in our time together, and you know it's about you, it's not about anybody next to you, and it's not about me. It's between you and God. You need to do some business with God here before we leave. You need to start talking to him. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. In just a moment, I'm gonna have us, in just a moment, I'm gonna have us bow our heads, close our eyes, keep this place calm. And I'll count to three, and I'll give people an opportunity to crack the glow stick and say, Pastor, you've been talking about me. I've been one of the have-nots, but I'm ready to cross over that line of faith and say yes to God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. I'll, I'm not going to, we're going to have our eyes closed, all right? So it's, and, and I'm not going to make you come up here, and I'm not going to come out there. It's just going to happen right at your seat, and then I'm going to lead you into just a conversation with God. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Right now across this room. I was thinking about the, so many of the men I talk to and some of the work that I do. I talk to the men and I say, I say, hey men, don't you miss your kids' ball games. Don't you miss their events, their award ceremonies, their recitals, man. Do everything you can do 
wherever possible to be there because because we all know that when kids get to the game, there's a lot of things happening, but the first thing they do when they get to the event, when they get to the recital, they look and say, where's mom and dad? Where are they at? Don't miss it. Some of you, from where you're standing, you say, well, they didn't come to my stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, they may not have, but right now, you need to know this. Your heavenly Father is watching, and he's paying attention to you, and he sees you. He sees that you've been running and that you've been hurting and that you've been hiding. He sees that you have celebrated Christmas, but you have rejected him. It's time to cross that line of faith and turn to him. You can do it right now. I said, I want to count to three. Again, just keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. Just let people just naturally do that. They'll crack that glow stick and say, Pastor, I am ready today. And I will lead you in that conversation. That's what prayer is, a conversation with God in our time together. So here we go. Got that glow stick in your hand. Here we go. You just simply crack it on the count of three. Here we go. Ready? One. Two. Take those running shoes off, sir, ma'am. Take them off. Young person in the room, it's time. Ready? Three. Just crack them right now. Just crack them. Go ahead. You hear it all over the room. Go ahead. It's all over. You hear all over the room happening. Now, if you'll just, just between just you and God, would you just... Lift that up so I can know that you're ready for that moment in your, your life. We have them all over the room. Just slip, slip it up. That's okay. Yep. Thank you. Hold them up there. Here, I'm going to lead you. I said I was going to help you with this. I can't do it for you, though. Again, I can't do it for you. But here's those of you that lifted that stick up in the air, here's, here's the way this conversation starts. It says, God, I've been running. Just in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. Just in your heart. He knows. You say, God, I've been running. And God, I've turned away. God, I've gone down that, that road, that ship, that journey away from you. I'm ready to turn to you today. God, I ask that you forgive me of my sin. And I believe that that forgiveness happens through the gift of Jesus Christ who grew up, went to the cross, and died for the forgiveness of sin for all of humanity, past, present, and future. I receive that gift today, this afternoon, right here in this place. I got a date to write on that line now. From this moment forward, 18th of December, the year 2022, Lord, change my life. You're forgiving me of my sin right now. The conversation in return from God is, you're forgiven. I hope you hear that. I hope you sense that. You're forgiven. Starting new. Beginning a new life. I, I know you don't understand all the things you want to know about Christianity, but you can know today that you're starting that journey with him. Your sin has been forgiven. And you're starting fresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can put your glow sticks down. Here's what I want to say. First of all, we had a lot of people make that decision today, so let's cheer them on. Second thing I want to say is all of you now, crack that glow stick. We got a band's going to sing a last song for us. It's really great. Hold tight. Stand from where you're at. Enjoy this last song. It's just a few minutes long, and then we'll give you some instruction about heading out of here. Go ahead. struggle 
mercy. 